Welcome to Trust the Bachelor Process, a podcast where Bachelor superfans and sisters, Alex and Sarah, discuss all things Bachelor Nation, typically with a glass of rosé in hand, our two true passions. So sit back with us, sip rosé with us, and enjoy the journey with us. women tell all week oh my gosh thank you you too (laughs) just in time for women's history month right just in time (laughs) (laughs) just in time just in time i wonder if they planned that oh gosh i bet they were like we have to queue up (laughs) the women tell all with women's history month yeah yeah uh well we have so much to just oh my gosh. speak um I, I feel like at this point bachelor nation uh topics are consuming the majority of our thought space sarah oh my gosh it's like all i text about it's all i snapchat about it's all i consume it's 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 overwhelming actually i'm not gonna lie <laughs> look at my journal over this past week and they're oh, no. like literally all about the bachelor <laughs> and i was like oh fully no. taking over my life um i know i talked about it in therapy my last therapy too oh so did i yeah i well, know and i was like i can't therapist- talk about the bachelor did your therapist offer any sort of insight that you care to share on the pod? I should have asked you this before we started recording. Um, she did not. I am still developing a relationship with her. Yeah. She's new and we've only ever met over Zoom. Um, and I like her and it, and um, uh, anyway, no, the short answer is no. <laughs> Okay. Yours. I mean, I think like my therapist take in general is um, we are all sort of like learning right now and we're all in a stage of growing and, you know, by way of this sort of being your hobby and this extracurricular thing that you love. Um, it's also like, it's sort of like this opportunity for you to grow that you weren't even seeking out. So like oh, she's trying to very interesting. It like this like beautiful gift and i'm gonna take i'm gonna take it at face value like i i actually really like that yeah i have to say mine like led to kind of a breakthrough for me the last time we met mm-hmm. but um it wasn't quite as beautiful as that it more <laughs> kind of led into like another piece of like i was i was essentially talking about like things that I find like really challenging and um and it, it kind of it kind of broke down to like uh like what like where I have a responsibility where like I and like where when when I have responsibility is like that's like very scary for me anyway I won't get into all of the detail so it was me mine was a little like mine was a little more like overwhelming <laughs> but oh, it was like it was like, a good it was like it like it needed to happen but i i won't go into the details but 
I think we can, you know, we're, we're living. And I think what we can all take away from this is that we are living in such a, um, a turning point in history. And yeah, sometimes like our lessons meet us where we're at. So if we are yeah, a couple of people who really enjoy watching reality TV, that these issues will show themselves in the thing that we enjoy and they give us an opportunity to grow from them. And listen, this growth right. is like really, really, really painful, but that means it's working. <laughs> like right. it's I, like when you're uncomfortable is like when you know you're in the right place. 100%. I just, and it's like really hard to be, to live in that space, but it's like, there is comfort in knowing I'm supposed to like feel this way. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's like kind of beautiful that it found us uh, by way of The Bachelor. And I remember- Yeah, well, that feels right. Yeah, <laughs> because what else are we paying attention to? Because like, I, yeah. Care about yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember my uh, when I was growing up, I had this like one year, I think I was in second grade um, where I would spend every single night- <laughs> Sorry, this is like really dramatic. Oh my god! I went through like an like a pretty huge growth spurt when I was in second grade. Yeah, and you did too, Sarah. You were the tallest girl in your in your second grade class. So weird. So I was she's so tiny right now. <laughs> so short. I was like the tallest until eighth grade, and then I stayed that height forever. Uh, and now, yes. I'm, now I'm the shortest. <laughs> but. <laughs> I have these visceral remember, like memory of my like calves hurting, my wrists hurting, my joints. Mm. Oh, the growing pains. Yeah. And mom just like sort of like rubbing my back and being like, it means that you're growing. <laughs> like, it wow, that's a really good analogy. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, with growth, uh, you know, it comes this like beautiful revelation and all these um, incredible insights about the world, but it also means that it, it hurts a little bit and to for it to hurt, yeah. it's working. And so, um, yeah. cool on the bachelor, like the bachelor experience, making us all sort of look inward. Um, yeah, it definitely is doing that for me. I, and like, mm -mm. yeah, there was a lot of that this past year, right? For a lot and of I want reasons, to clarify, but it's not the bachelor um infrastructure that's making us look inward it's the players who are involved and the nation yeah. as a whole um I, as i said last week i think that this show is outgrowing its infrastructure and i think it's the community itself that's forcing me to look inward and because of that yes I'm incredibly grateful yeah I agree with you, but yeah, it's it's like yes, a lot of this was happening throughout this past year, but yeah, now it's happening. Some it's happening now to us in a place that feels like so so close to home. And I don't. Some people might laugh at that that it's like The Bachelor, but I mean, it's like the thing that we've always like talked about. We've always like like we bonded over this, you and I, and we did with our friends. So like it's yeah, it's it's happening like in a space that is like so big in our lives yeah well, and for so long I think like what has drawn me to reality tv to reality tv and something that I've spoken about with so many people is like my love of the bachelor and the love my love of the bat of uh like the house real housewives or anything bravo comes from a space of 
wanting to connect with women and like loving that feeling of connecting with people. And what I think this experience is doing for us is that it's ex it's expanding that network of people. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that you're right. I think for me too, like it's all, there's something very, I don't really know what the word is, but there's something about watching like the unfiltered, like what, well, maybe a little more so with like the housewives are a little more like unfiltered and, and not as like um, produced as like a show like The Bachelor. But yeah, there's like something about that that is like attractive to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay. So there, listen, so we, as we said before, this is Women Tell All Week and um, sure, of course, we want to get into it, uh, but there's also so much that has happened outside of Women Tell All this past week that yeah. we also want to chat about. Um, so uh, I think the first thing that we want to discuss is the fact that Chris Harrison will not be returning for after the final rose as the host, uh, given everything that's happened during the course of this past few weeks, uh, his inability to discuss uh, race on a level of like from an informed place slash a level yeah. of sensitivity. So um, they ended up hiring for the host of the after after the final rose, Emmanuel Acho. Yeah, this is um, th this felt the announcement. I was like, this feels perfect. Like this feels correct it feels right and and it's something that i am very excited about okay so i am so stoked okay so for those yeah. who are unfamiliar with emmanuel acho uh he played uh excuse me i just burped i've been drinking some <laughs> she's like too excited all I literally had, i'm so excited <laughs> had some sparkling water so i burped uh, now i just burped again so he played uh <laughs> Uh, he played for the Texas Longhorns at UT Austin, and then he was drafted by the Cleveland Browns. And then from there, he went to play for the Philadelphia Eagles, which Sarah and I are um, a, a, a very attached to just because we're from Philadelphia because we are from Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, and uh, in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement, he ended up creating this uh web series called uh, the uncomfortable conversation uh, uncomfortable conversations with a black man and yeah. then he went on to uh write a novel based on these conversations um and when i found out that he was announced i was just like i want to be informed i want to know what i'm talking about you know when he posts after the final rose and so i i listened to the novel on audiobook and guys yeah. Am so, so stoked for an unbelievable amount of reasons on a shallow, a shallow level. And I know Sarah, you've watched some of the videos. He is unbelievably charismatic and. Oh, oh funny. yeah. And I mean, just talk about like, yeah, you're right. Shallow reasons, just like being great on camera attractive <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. no like, yes certainly not an eyesore but beyond that um his book I I highly recommend because 
he talks, of course, like the, the, it is what, what the title suggests. It's uncomfortable conversations with a black man, but he operates from such a place of um, openness and love and humor and ultimately what he wants to do and what he aims to do is to meet people where they're at on their journey. Yes. So yes, there is no judgment really involved in the process. It's about learning and expanding and accepting your humility to get to a better place where we can all be allies in this fight. And I just found it incredibly accessible. He, he gave like so many, not only personal anecdotes, but like specific pop culture anecdotes that helped me contextualize uh, racial problems in America that like, it just made it me, it just made it so much more tangible for me to, uh, to yeah. be able to understand these issues. This is why he's gonna, well, he's already so great at just generally what he's doing, but I, this is why I think he's going to be so good for this audience in particular is exactly what you said. He is all about, like, he approaches it from the shared experience. So he uses, whether they're stories from his life, from his friend's life, he, use, he uses these analogies. An analogy is probably not the right word, but he finds a way to connect your experience to the experience of, of you know, of a black man in a lot of his cases, right? And, and like, and how to help you understand. It's, it's like, and and he he also approaches it from such a le- like a level of patience because you're right because so many people are at so many different places and like the patience that he has with everyone to like ask their questions and that's what he encourages right like he encourages you like what are what are your questions like what are your hard questions this is it's I this is he's going to be really really excellent um i'm really looking forward to he also he doesn't hold back he does like he's not going the hard truths with you yeah he's not going to like he's not going to shame you He, he removes the shame piece from it but he's he's going to be honest and he does it in such a maybe empathetic is the word just like it, yeah just it honestly in like a factual way I one of the videos I, think, I, I think he is I think he does lead with empathy and yeah but not at the expense of the truth it's exactly what you were yeah saying. yeah it's like beautiful marriage of both um it's incredibly uh thrilling <laughs> yeah I, and I felt very similar. I don't mean to cut you off, Sarah. I feel like you were about to. I just on the note, I w- there was just one video I watched in particular that was like a crossover for me because I love HGTV. But he had Chip and Joanna Gaines and their entire family with like all their children in one of the videos, and he let the kids ask questions. And they're not like they're pretty young, yeah. and um. It was, I, I mean, one of the questions she asked was, are you afraid of white people? And I just, and, and it was kind of this moment where everyone was kind of like, uh-oh. Like, like, that? Yeah, she asked him that. Wow. And 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 um, everyone was kind of like, 
oh my gosh, like what's about to happen? And just how he answered so honestly, but like so, yeah, empathetically and like in a gentle place to like meet a child, like to understand that like there's so much development and so much education happening. It was just, it was incredible to watch, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I felt really similar to how I felt when I was reading um, So You Want to Talk About Race, where it was just like, we don't deserve this, but we're getting our hand held anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I feel like he acts as that for you. He has this beautiful open heart. And so for that reason, I, you know, as a group of Bachelor Nation fans, I hope that we can meet him with the same open heart. Yes, and yes. Uh, I, I am just really excited about what this step means for the franchise moving forward. And I am just in general going to try to stay optimistic because this is a show that I love and I do want to see it succeed. And uh, I, I want to see it succeed on the terms of how we're evolving as a society. Yeah, I agree with you. I was actually asked today, like, do you think you and Alex are going to, like, stick with the show? And I'm like, well, a lot is going to be telling what happens now, right? Like, what happens next? But ultimately, I want it to. Like, I want to be a part of that journey of what of, of it developing into something better. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. And this feels like a really good step towards that. I, I, you're right. The whole infrastructure has to change. I'm not like, I'm not even convinced that this show needs, needs a host. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know that we need to find the Chris Harrison replacement. Like, I'm not even sure that's the right move, but like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for after the final rose and, um, and I'm excited to see what happens after that. And I also think that Emmanuel, just based on what I have observed from reading his book and watching some of his videos, and when I said it, the say that I read his book, I listened to it on audiobook, which I think is a beautiful experience. Um, important distinction. It's an important distinction <laughs> for because like he also includes like Zoom discussions that he has with his editors and like questions from readers. That's so cool. A little bit of bonus content, which like helps. Yeah. Round it out, but also you get to hear his beautiful voice be very, very funny. Um, but uh, oh gosh, I just like lost my train of thought. What was I saying? It was something super you important. Read the book. Um, we're excited for after the final rose. Oh, okay. This is what I was gonna say. Um, he is somebody who uh will. He's not gonna make. Uh, the race component is such a significant part of, of this season, but he is not going to make everything about the final rose about race. He's just qualified to speak about race as much as he's qualified to talk about interpersonal dynamics between. Right. So I'm like, we are going, it's not just going to be him shitting on Rachel it's going to it's be not it's, it's definitely not going to and he's that. also yeah. going to be talking about what it was like to fall on your face during a landing 
during <laughs> uh, the skydiving portion. Like I am. Oh, right. When we all thought she like broke her neck. Yeah. No, there's like a lot. He's going to give us all the things that we want. Um, he's and he's not gonna he's not gonna be yelling at anyone like he's not gonna be shaming anyone it's mm. not like what he does it's not how he approaches the conversation Mm-mm. he he he's I I believe from the amount of time I've experienced with him that, <laughs> that he he sees good in people and he is brilliant at bringing that out Yes, he wants people to use their strengths and their privilege to join them in the fight. He's going to meet you where you are. And how can we use what's special about you to empower a fight that's special to all of us? And like ultimately, uh, breeds a society where we're all... um, intermingling friends with each other <laughs> not hating each I mean, other like right I, but, I mean the dream of what we want of yeah like I uh yeah. what's that uh imagine all the people song uh from John Lennon it's, it's, it's imagine if the song's called <laughs> oh no but Alex that song has its own controversy don't you remember at the start of the pandemic when all the celebrities sang oh, it to us from their How mansion and their pool <laughs> oh my god I'm so embarrassed how could you forget <laughs> because time what is the pandemic I'm exhausted oh, happy one year anniversary everybody happy uh, one year anniversary. <laughs> do you guys remember where you were March 2nd uh, <laughs> I actually think we were recording an episode of the podcast and we were finding out that like the um, NBA was shutting down and you were like, maybe we shouldn't like be in the same room. <laughs> like, we were like, what? Oh, right. Thing? You would still live in LA at that time. Yeah, I lived in LA. So we were like, should we like separate? <laughs> I remember you wash your hands for about two minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, oh my gosh. Well, it's like I was already an insane hand washer. Mm-hmm. So pandemic, I, I mean, I don't know that I'll ever, like, I don't know. I just can't imagine washing my hands for less than a full 60 seconds ever again. Yeah, no, um, I the pandemic has just like shown how disgusting we are um like or how- by the way I'm sorry by the way like I told you guys like I told you so, like, I told each and every one of you that we were all disgusting <laughs> and nobody believed me <laughs> oh okay I'm just kidding okay. uh- <laughs> again we could speak forever on Emmanuel Acho yeah but so he Oh, God. I was going to say what's so cool about this was this was a recommendation, at least that was put forth by Rachel Lindsay. Um, yeah. Rachel Lindsay is also a longhorn. And um, she had also talked about um, Rachel from Matt's season reading this book. Um, and she has also been a, a person on his show, a guest on his show. And this was straight up a suggestion from her and Rachel Lindsay please let's give us a moment please as a as a bachelor nation let's please leave a moment of appreciation 
for Rachel Lindsay and how much she has done and how much she's pushed accountability within our community. Like, yeah, huge. And we would, we benefit greatly from how much she pushes us to do better. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I mean, just somebody that I've, I've genuinely looked to a lot this past year in my own personal growth and journey and learning and unlearning. Um, I went to her a lot mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I really personally, her. I would call her up every weekend. <laughs> yeah. We text <laughs> why she's never been on the podcast. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I'm grateful for her and, um, I'm sure a lot of people know this, but she had to deactivate her Instagram account this past week because she was receiving so much hate online, just being blamed for like firing, like getting Chris Harrison fired and like leave Rachel Kay alone. Like, you know, just unbelievable amount of hate. Um, Something that we'll never quite understand either. And just, it's, I just, find it I think it's really important to say that we we stand with Rachel and everything that she's done for this franchise and everything she's spoken out against this franchise um and and her work well beyond The Bachelor um and I think it's important to note that it wasn't what Rachel did that got Chris fired it's what no it's what Chris did fired and I think we need to look a take a long hard look at ourselves (laughs) Yeah. When we have the instinct to be like, well, this person did this to him. He did this to him. Chris is accountable for his own actions. And like, he's a grown ass man. (laughs) Grown ass man who has been put in a position to speak about stuff that he has no knowledge and background in speaking about and I think his extra interview ultimately revealed the um the flaws in this system because ultimately I feel like he is the voice of this system and well he's the he's he's the face he's the voice I mean he is the representative for the bachelor exactly and I I don't want to, I I don't even want to take away Chris's own agency when I'm saying like he is a product of the system, but like ultimately he is the person who said the things that he said. Right. The person who said to Rachel, who are you to have a comment about the antebellum party? Like he is the person who should be held accountable and how he's being held accountable is by not showing up to the, after the final rose. And I hope that. Yeah. And to not speak about something that he's not qualified to educate a huge audience on. Yes. And ultimately, as we move forward uh, as a society, we need somebody who's better equipped and more qualified to handle these levels of conversations. And this is not Rachel's fault. No. It's it's on Chris, man. Like it's, it's, it's Chris. It's Chris and it's the fact that we're moving forward. And like, even if Chris had answered um, like sensitively or said the right things, I think we are in a position that we just need 
someone who knows more than we do. <laughs> yeah. We, to, yeah. He's to, to, to sort of try to navigate this. Yeah, 100%. Um, okay. Speaking about education. <laughs> all right, we have to talk about Taylor Nolan. Um, unfortunately, I mean, it this uh, for those who didn't, who haven't seen, or just a quick recap for anyone that has, there were a lot of terribly disgusting, hateful tweets from Taylor's past between the years of 2011, 2013. It all seemed to be when she was in college um, that have resurfaced, if you will, um, and they're awful. And they, they offend many, many groups and communities of people. Um, there's a lot of homophobia. There's a lot of fat phobia. There's a lot of racism. Um, just ableism. Yeah. It, 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 the, the list doesn't even really end there. Um, and it was very difficult to watch and disappointing to read because she is somebody that has been so outspoken, um, about what's going on in the franchise and and also the world and in the Black Lives Matter movement. She's been sort of a leader of the anti-racism movement within Bachelor Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it was it was really shocking and it was really disappointing and it was really, really hard <laughs> to kind of experience all this. Um, Alex and I have talked a lot about this overall it's a very, very complicated situation to discuss um, for so many levels for her and I to discuss because, uh, you know, we're, we're not Taylor. We're not like, we're not in a position that uh, like things that Taylor has ever experienced. Um, and uh, it, like we said, she's been a leader. And um, so ultimately after all of this came out, she had a, she had she she tried she released a series of instagram stories right um where she didn't it's not that she didn't take ownership but she didn't apologize and she approached it from a very very defensive place and ultimately the overall message was because i've done the work and because you guys have seen me do the work and you know the work i've done and you know that i don't hold these points of views anymore this is uh, I, I deserve, essentially, I deserve, I deserve your grace. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, uh, she, like I said, the, like these, tw the tweets go, it, it's, it's beyond, it's racist and beyond. I mean, it go, it, it offends so many people and she did speak about how the, when she tweeted them, she was coming from a place of like hating herself and hating her identity, um, which is another which is another layer of complication and something that you know talking about qualified to speak on something that Alex and I are not qualified to speak about, like to to, to analyze. I uh, I think would be the right word there, but um, yeah, it, it's. It's awful. I mean, I we denounce everything that she that that were, that were in those tweets. Some of them, 
affected us on even a personal level. I mean, we're even like Alex, like pointed out there was like even anti redhead like content. I mean, are, it, not that we are we're not against as a group, but there was a comment about how if you're a redhead, you're so ugly that pedophiles don't want to touch you, which like, yeah. Also as like survivors of sexual assault is, that's a hard pill to swallow among many other triggering. groups who anti-Semitism, like it was, if she ran, she cast a wide web of her, with her hatred. Um, yeah. It's a hard, a hard pill to swallow. I think the overall feeling right now is especially her reaction to it um, was what was the most disappointing and the most upsetting um, to watch her um, not apologize, but become really defensive. That's, I think, where a lot of the disappointment for, for me um, stems from, but I think that we're still processing a lot. <laughs> it's it's been it's kind of taken over the last two days, and you know, again, we're talking about like being educated to speak on on certain issues. I mean, we we're also going through our own journey right now. Um, a lot of us are, but you know, this is something that Alex and I were talking about. It so it we like we also don't want to take any sort of moral high ground with like where's like where she's at with her journey because we're like we said we have like. Or like she said, actually, she is someone that we've seen do do work. Um, but I think that this proves that there's more to be done, mm -hmm. and that's what that shows me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think in general, when you're uh, issuing an apology, you should come from a place of contrition rather than defensiveness. And I think that yeah, lost her people. Um, and ultimately, this has sort of been a critique that we've had about Taylor in general. She sort of needs to operate from a place of moral high ground. Rather, she's always sort of somebody who's struggled with humility. And I think at that, yeah, point, like the people who are affected, and like, listen, we know we as redheads are not a march. We're gonna be okay community okay. like we are totally we moved on we moved on from south park <laughs> they're evil but we're they're okay <laughs> I mean, but the fat phobia the yeah the anti-semitism like um a lot of like um mental like mental illness comments yeah making fun of somebody with one yeah people with depression remedies yeah like there are things that were incredibly disturbing that were incredibly hard to digest and i think what's happening right now is her initial apology centered her own self and her yes. self-hatred over uh the apology and at the time yeah beats that were exposed were hurting a lot of people and it ran the gambit and there were i don't want to discount because there were a lot of racist tweets a lot of racist stuff black yeah. people and specifically it seemed a lot of targets towards asian american or asian americans so um yeah. a lot of people were impacted and a lot of people were hurt and that sucks like oh it's it's 
and ultimately their feelings and how they felt when these tweets surfaced should have taken priority over her defensiveness. And I think that we have seen Taylor do a lot of work to get to the place where she is right now. And I think it's exactly what Sarah said. Like there is more work to do. And I feel like where Taylor made it, well, we sort of saw it a little bit more in her second apology, but where we needed it in the first apology was a genuine apology to the people who were impacted and, and have right. them placed first, like have that. Right. Have them placed first because Alex, you, you said it, she, you said it best when she, she's been a leader in this space. So ultimately she's somebody that we trusted. Mm-hmm. And so these tweets betrayed our trust of her and yes, by centering herself over the people whose trust she betrayed. And I say we as kind of a collective we, there's so many different, there's so many groups of people that she offended, but. um, They were downright hateful. Like it was, I mean, I, I, the first thing I said when I read them was like this, this is some of the worst stuff I've ever seen on the internet. Like I, like that's like, it, it is some of the worst stuff I've ever seen on the internet. I, genuinely felt dirty after reading them and like I like really really wish I'd never seen them that it, it made me feel like it was like the worst version of my own voice where it was just like when an ugly fat girl asks you where the fun party is tonight and it's like hashtag sorry and you are not more deserving because you are of parties right <laughs> I like I conventionally beautiful able-bodied human like and I what what makes this ultimately the most complicated is two things it's the fact that she has like the work that we've seen specifically when in this last year is not reflective of those tweets and the fact that she is not a white she's you know biracial woman and she's reflecting on her own experience um, makes us unqualified to judge her right her journey um, but ultimately i uh, i i hope this is a catalyst towards her moving forward and yeah even more so than she already has before because I think Taylor's biggest issue is her ego so I hope that she can put that aside and genuinely learn from this and I feel like we've all learned from this and we'll continue to learn from this but it ultimately makes it so much more complicated because she was such an ally and somebody who I turned to as a resource Mm, Uh, yeah during this fight um yeah guys I don't know I I think I have so much unlearning and learning to do that I'm well right that's the thing I mean it's what it's what you said like we're 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 not educated to speak to her personal experience in, in any way and we're also going through our own just as you said learning and unlearning right now um so yeah for me this feels like there is more to be done 
in yeah. in ourselves because when something like this happens, I think it helps shed a light on your on again like your own bias as well. So more work to be done personally and and I think with Taylor as well. And ultimately, um, I think our our hearts go out to everybody who is impacted by those tweets resurfacing. Um, yeah, because they were really, 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 really hard to to read. Um, they were really hard. Mm -hmm. I might have enforced the dark voices in our heads that are just yeah. general untrue. So sending love to everybody and also invalidating the truth behind those because it's bullshit. And it was coming from a person who hated themselves at the time, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that's that on, on, on Taylor <laughs> mm -hmm. for now. Um, okay. Why don't we get into the show? Um, <laughs> liven things up a bit, I guess. I will say this is one of the most boring women tell-alls I've ever seen, and it is because it was highly, highly edited down to about nothing. Um, and that's because they wanted to... We, we know that production had wanted to find a way. Is there any way that we can kind of remove Chris Harrison? Um, there really isn't. He ran the show. So the you know ultimately what they did is added this disclaimer that this was filmed february 4th 2021 it was like so oh dude before. how do we like um still have chris harrison on our screens and like yeah the world know that we don't mean him to be there ah <laughs> uh, yeah i know february I know. 4th we were living in a different world in february 4th like yeah they're like not our fault lol sorry this was all the way back in february guys it's march it's women's history month can we please focus on the positive <laughs> so yeah um i i know i was like oh okay lol um some of this made me feel sad because not, not sad for Chris, but it made me feel sad because it's like they, ugh, because of this whole fucked up situation with a hit with Chris, that Chris created, it's like, we now had to watch the women, like the women's voices get edited down to essentially nothing because <laughs> they were trying to just like edit moments out of Chris or anything that he would well, not have been I qualified to speak on. The boldest example of, of this is we have seen in the footage online, sorry, <laughs> Sarah, if I'm skipping too far ahead, but we have seen the footage so, online where Heather was part of this group of women who was sitting in the women's <laughs> group and suddenly is completely cropped out. <laughs> yeah, so we don't know if she was cropped out, um, right. which is insane. I saw, I saw, there's like a BuzzFeed article that showcases, it was like the 18 like craziest tweets from like Women to All. I encourage everyone to go look at it. One of them was like, um, dang, they really made her quarantine for two, for two more weeks for nothing again. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, we don't know if she was cropped out or some theories are that like she was only coming out for a specific segment where she was going to be on the couch with Chris and like talk about coming in and, and essentially leaving the same night. Um, And so like she was only out there for like a minute and they only brought her chair out for a minute. So there's like 
theories around that, but I don't know. Yeah, either way, <laughs> poor weather. <laughs> it's crazy. I yeah. It it was it it. So we also learned it during Women Tell All that there are a ton of dates that we didn't see aired, like a lot, and. This is starting to make sense because I know that we've talked about it throughout like recapping the season. The it some of these dates and these cocktail parties felt so just disjointed and we could never tell yeah, like a cocktail, cocktail party, party without a day date. Like it was yes. like happened we couldn't understand we couldn't understand where we were. And I felt similarly about women tell all. Like, I was like, wait, what's happening now? Like, it was just like a weird mishmash of like, of like the highlights. (laughs) So, yeah. So I don't, I don't really know why they didn't show the dates other than like, they just wanted to highlight the drama in the house more. Okay. Well, let's talk about the dates that they did not show that they felt we were inclined to learn about now. Um, there was a, a, a pie eating, um, I don't know if we can even call pancake. it pancake. Oh, a pancake, pancake eating. It was just like, they were eating pancakes. Um, there was, and a, that was kind of funny. There was a what's in the box where, you know, they felt around for insects or worms. And there was a hide and seek element where Kit, you know, had a hard time finding, the group She's like lost in the woods i guess and then like freaking jojo and taisha were there and, and we just, was like, like never and segment where we just did not get any of that information and by the way i would have really really liked to see a lot of content of jojo taisha and matt interacting because jojo is so silly and so goofy and i bet she would have helped kind of like loosen matt up a little bit like kind of like bring him out of his little like perfect like produced shell that like i think like that would have been fun and then tisha's obviously just like so goofy and loves to have fun i think it would have brought a lot of lightness onto what was ultimately a very heavy season um, Sarah, I have a question for you because in this, like, I, they showed up actually during the bloopers rather than the, uh, like, the oh, right. Stuff. And so in this package, we saw that Matt got a excited during a, a jacuzzi date with Serena P. And he said, I'm going to actually wait a second before I get out of the. He said, "I'm gonna need my ro- I'm gonna need my robe." My robe, that's exactly it. And then yeah. she saw him, and this is the first boner acknowledgement that we've ever gotten on the show. Like, there's speculation about when people have boners. Like, you know, we have talked about it actively, but this was the first like blatant acknowledgement of the boner. How did you feel about this? <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was fun. I thought it was flirty. <laughs> I loved it. In general, like an acknowledgement of people getting sexually excited around each other while dating is like a very healthy thing. It's so, it's like, it was like a cute moment. And they were like both cracking up and 
she looked hot <laughs> I mean she looked beautiful they were in the hot tub together like I but I'm also she didn't seem like that into it we can, we'll talk about because she doesn't like him we know she doesn't like him but also is like he was like so amused by his own boner <laughs> <laughs> I know I, like, I know I he was that, cracking like, up there are like times where like Matt is like so delightful and like I love his self sense of humor, but like his own amusement about his own body is like like I I, I wish it I wish he was like a little bit more vulnerable about it and not like and ugh, maybe this is not my place to say, but like he was he just thought it was the most hysterical thing in the world. <laughs> Well, like, like, okay, wouldn't we all think this is funny and it's like I don't know maybe some people wouldn't think it was funny like <laughs> I'm I'm sorry I'm gonna have to disagree because Alex come on this is like this is embarrassing right and so like instead of like Ben Higgins who tried to like hide it for like three straight months like like I I thought it like he is about to get out of the hot tub and then he's like there are cameras on me and he's clearly like oh my god this is about to be really really embarrassing and people like I think there are like people deal with like a level of embarrassment like I'm sorry what did you want him to say like um Serena can you come no you're right I think I think I think I think you're absolutely right I think he had the exact (laughs) right attitude Um, maybe it's my own puritanical like (laughs) Uh, but like on this just because we're talking about bloopers right now um he also was forced to face the fact that he made out with his eyes open I knew we were gonna save this for the end but I feel like we're on it so no we just we need to talk about it so and his basically his (laughs) response to it was like I eye contact like I like I think eye contact is very very important but it's like but you weren't having any eye contact so hot when you're up close to the woman and you can see her that close and you're like whoa like he was he was very just like in, excited by the fact that these hot women were close to him and making out with him and ultimately like this is the biggest sign of his hotness like the fact that he kisses with his eyes open is the biggest signal to his hotness because he has never everybody else like I think there was like one girl who called him out on it that was just like, "Hey, you do this? Are your eyes open?" <laughs> but like ultimately, it is that John Ham episode of Thirty Rock where it's just gonna be like, "Oh, you're so hot, you can do whatever you want." Yeah. And like luckily, he was just like, "I watched back and I was like, hey, this is kind of weird." And it's like, "Yeah, Matt, follow that." Like that observation, it is weird that you kiss your eyes open. It's like he just learned that you're, that's like how, like you're supposed to kiss with your eyes closed. It's like he learned that for the first time. It's just like, it literally is John Hamm in 30 Rock. Like he looked (laughs) like a serial killer as he kisses with his eyes open and girls are just like, this is great. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I have to ask you, are you pro beard or anti beard? 
pro, 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 pro. I like it too. I like it too. People are all freaked out. There's like this stupid joke going around Twitter that's like, show me you're single without actually telling me that you're single. And then they're posting a picture of Matt in his beard. And I'm like, screw you guys. I like it. <laughs> I have always, oh, well, you will love anything that Matt James does because you're obsessed with <laughs> Uh, but I am always pro beard. Like I have always yeah. been into yeah, 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 yeah. a okay. dude with a beard. Um, my dude now has a beard. No big deal. Not to brag. This was like a thing when Adam and I were dating. Is like there was like a there was like a period of time where he was just like not shaving his beard. He's like, oh, I have to shave. Like I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, no, no. I like beards. And he was like, what? <laughs> so now he like he'll he'll grow it out occasionally and I like that um okay. yeah I'm like I'm uh, like oh, send a link to Adam well <laughs> <laughs> no I'm always pro beard there I am it's more casual um I a term that I like shows that he has grown over the period of time like I feel like it's a it it is a pa- it shows a passing of time. It's the passing of time. I always remember this during real world um, reunions where girls would dye their hair for the reunion to show the passage of time. And I did this when I came back from Thanksgiving break when I went to Penn State and I knew that I was going to see all of my friends from high school. I dyed my hair black, but it came out dark purple and it was disgusting but like there's something about it was purple hair the passage of time that I thought that people were going to take me a little bit more seriously in my instance they didn't but in Matt's instance (laughs) I did (laughs) no yeah it worked for me I a term that I like to say about beards is like it the men look a little more lived in like that's what I that's like say that (laughs) That's my like term. I go, I don't like, I don't, I'm not one of these girls that like swoop. I'm not, one of, I'm not, I'm like a cool girl. I'm not like, I'm not like a regular girl. That, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't swoon typically at men in suits, which I think is sometimes why like The Bachelor would actually be a challenging place for me because it kind of like thrives on that like ooh like you're in your suit or your tux like I like like joggers and a zip up hoodie (laughs) and praying apparently Uh, yeah and a prayer before dinner (laughs) (laughs) a blessing you will of the room before an event (laughs) which is something I learned throughout one of the many things I learned about myself throughout the season (laughs) um Okay, I think we need to talk about kind of, I wouldn't even call it closure, but kind of like the wrap up around the like toxic versus not toxic environment in the house. I, what I'm really, really glad that they showed is, is they, they gave Brittany a moment um, to, to talk about what happened to her um, and, and the rumor that Anna had started about her and, and you, you got to see a remorseful moment from Anna. Um, and I, I thought that that was really important. So, but we, we opened up this whole, um, discussion again of like, oh, it was only made to be so bad, Katie, because you called it out. Like essentially what they were saying, like what these girls were saying was they were like, 
they were like it was only toxic when you named it toxic it's like if you had like never named it it would have been fine like and I've seen a lot of girls from kind of this like group of friends like posting videos of them like having fun in the house and they're like see like there were a lot of like really fun awesome moments and it's to me it was like well yeah but after you pushed everybody out that you didn't like and you didn't want to like hang out with like I I felt bad for Ryan because she like spoke a lot about um her experience and how challenging it was Sarah didn't even go to women tell all I don't know could it like she may not have been invited sometimes that happens um, but she talked about Brian talked about her experience and I just felt like everyone like invalidated her by being like it was only toxic because you named it toxic and then you had like Serena C saying Matt like I hope that you know we're not bad people that was like a very interesting moment too like to me that showed like you are experiencing shame over what you saw yourself do but you're not you're not expressing any sort of like sorrow or remorse or anything like that yeah 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 and there's so much that I want to impact and what you I feel like you're just like yeah like, yeah sorry I kind of went all, all over in a way that I was just like that was a beautiful like umbrella recap like Sarah, thank you so much the bachelor um there was thank uh, you I actually did edit women tell all last night. thank you but, uh an, an incredible amount of toxicity in the house and regardless of what the proportions were uh versus what we saw versus what the how they reacted in the house like uh, the general consensus is the same like there was a significant amount of bullying um a uh, victoria was a significant proponent of it and the girls that sort of jumped on the bandwagon because they felt insecure were also proponents of it we saw it with mj versus justina and this uh, time and time again i think mj uses uh therapy speak uh to um validate her cause or she uses like women empowerment um notions to be like oh it was a weak bitch moment or uh oh yeah you know to express insecurity and in general like that's annoying because um if, if expressing your insecurity is not a weak bitch moment and opening up to your insecurity is a strong bitch moment and ultimately we just saw her um uh sort of not apologize and uh not uh again we don't know what was filmed versus which was not which was not but we saw her not own up to the negativity that she contributed into the house which was a lot um and then on uh, on to what you were saying about Brittany and and Anna you know uh, this was such a fascinating fascinating interaction and I think you and I have spoke about this at length, uh, just not not on our own, but uh, on the podcast. But Brittany, yeah. um, we watched a empowered, beautiful, confident girl, woman, um, sort of become a shell of herself when this rumor came to light. And this was a really, really fascinating interaction because I feel like Brittany 
still has a little bit of anger left. And I feel like that anger is completely justified because it's yeah. um, impacted her entire life. It's impacted, you know, you Google search her and it's like Brittany Galvin is a sex, you know, addresses the rumors that she's a sex worker. It's like, it, it, it's incredibly complicated. It's like, it's like part of her public identity now. So I fully understand her anger and at the yeah, same, same time, Anna is the only person that we saw apologize without an excuse. Yeah, she, there was no but attached, right? There was no like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, but here's where I was coming from. She just said she was sorry. And I understand Brittany's lingering anger and I appreciate yeah, Anna's apology. Like I, yeah. And what I loved, oh God, I just want to. I'm obsessed with Brittany so much. Yeah, I want really so great. bad a a second life for her in paradise. But like, she also, in the wake of her own bullying, stood up for sex workers and talked about how they were worthy mm. of and how they are not more or less because of what they do. Like what they do is work and um, took that moment to empower them. Like took that moment away for yeah. her, herself to empower them in a way that I was just like, this is a really, really big human being. And I just really, really appreciate Brittany. And I, and I, I think time will tell with Anna, but I do also appreciate her apology because it was not yeah. um laced with excuses it just wasn't yeah I mean if anything like her her the acknowledgement of her insecurity was the uh, like it's not like I grew up this way it was just like I was insecure this pretty girl came in and I was yeah I said this like it was just sort of the acknowledgement of the ugliness is I feel like the step forward that we need. And I still think that Brittany's lingering anger is just as important. Like, like, yeah, totally. I, yeah, I think that the whole moment was a really important one, but I, I was happy that we got to see. Um, Should we talk about Victoria? Yeah. You know, I have to say, I think since she left the show, I um, have like, locked her out of my brain because I kind of like forgot about her like when she wasn't on my screen I just kind of like removed her like I didn't let her what did we learn I didn't let her live rent free in my mind anymore (laughs) I I, and then like after the final rose came up and I was like oh yeah this girl and then again like I go to sleep last night and I forget about her and then you like bring her up now and I'm like oh right like I she's, I don't, I don't, I I don't, I really don't know what else more there is to say about her. There's nothing about her that I appreciate. Um, I don't really have a lot of respect for her. And I, uh, I didn't like how she came to the women tell all and just kind of double down on everything. Yeah, Victoria is so hard to stomach in general because, like, um, you know, there was the 
the criticism about you know her bra straps are showing and she came out in like a open blazer with a yeah bra. like that's something that in general like it felt like a pushback on the counter bullying that was happening in bachelor nation yeah and i don't and i don't agree I, with that she, and like yeah i don't she doesn't it just we we've talked about this right be you don't like she's a bully and we're not like the right way to approach it is to not do the same things to her that she's doing to other people that's not how you like solve this but um or work through it disheartened to that point with what you were saying about how she approached the other women like i i, I feel like it was when she was talking about when ryan was just like hey really she was having this earnest moment with her where she was just like, hey, you calling me a hoe, like really hurt my feelings. Like you making me feel isolated really hurt my feelings. And Victoria's response was like, well, are you like a super sensitive person or whatever? Because I've gotten this criticism and I've just like written it off as noise. So like by her- And she said it was, she said it was way worse criticisms. And it's like, okay, it's also not like, you don't get to judge on like the level of hurt <laughs> yeah you don't and also you do Let's... have the benefit of also being like a very privileged white girl that you cannot yeah. like you cannot judge another woman's experience and if anything it was just like it, it may be honestly very 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 sad for victoria because i it to me you know i i appreciate the writing off of criticism but I also know what it feels like to be a human and there's no way that things that were said about her didn't impact her and to say that she was a stronger person by ignoring that that talk uh then internalizing it and like to use that as a way to say that she was stronger was really 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 hurtful to watch <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah it was just saying that it was a way to position her as being better as the other contestants rather it you know she had this like emotional moment with matt where she was talking about how she was going through you know quote-unquote levels of pain about being rejected but she didn't like offer again we're talking about contrition like any level of sorrow like anything that she said that was the any of the criticism that she weaponized against the other women she was just like you're not strong enough to handle like it was very much a a a, a disassociative like angry response to the bullying like she wasn't willing to accept the fact that she was a bully in the house because she has also experienced backlash and that was a hard ass bill to swallow it was a really really every time she talks it's while i don't condone the bullying that has been against uh placed against her it's really 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 hard to watch her defend herself because um there's zero accountability or self-reflection yeah i'm just i how i feel now is like i'm just not interested in hearing from her anymore like, I'm just not, like, I don't need her voice <laughs> mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. Uh, like, when I say her voice, I'm not, like, this isn't me trying to make fun of her voice. Like, I don't need, like, her message <laughs> is what I mean. Uh, yeah, in all of this. So, yeah, I'm, like, oh. 
like as of like you know we we we've been used to the cringe and the people who sort of like come in with a with a gimmick to sort of make a name for themselves and at this point I feel like it's kind of tired and even on paradise I'm just like oh I don't really need this like I don't need her presence anywhere I really don't want her in paradise I really 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 do not and I and I like and I hope that they I think this goes in line with like what we've been talking about is like a restructure an overhaul like i hope that this is considered like i hope that they consider how harmful it is to continue like to continue promoting victoria because she brings drama apparently like she doesn't actually bring drama; she brings hate. Like so, I it's like, not I, drama; like, it's hate. And and by this nature, Sarah, can you and I talk about Katie? Yeah, let's talk about Katie. Um, she was like ganged up on. <laughs> this really surprised me because it's so interesting to see how the public perceived Katie versus how the women in the house perceived Katie, particularly people I liked, particularly Chelsea and Mari ganging up on Katie, like women who I really enjoyed. And it really genuinely confused me because I felt like Katie was the voice of reason and the voice of truth. And I saw a brief clip, like a brief, like 10 second clip that I did not continue to watch about Jason Ritter talking on Nick Vial's podcast about how people don't like, like a whistleblower. And ultimately, it feels like these women just did not appreciate being called out. Um, I think that this that this whole thing speaks to a maturity level or a difference in maturity levels. Mm-hmm. Typically, t- like women tell all, there's there's a lot of fighting. There, like there, there's a lot of still like kind of stuff that people are working out. A lot of times, you ultimately get to a place of closure, right? But I think ultimately when people do bad things on the show, I'll just say that, and then they watch themselves back, they they come to Women Tell All or after the final rose and are like, that was really hard to watch. And like I and, it, and it, like I didn't realize I was like really behaving that way. Like this was me reacting in a moment. And we didn't see any of that. We did not see any of that. And they doubled down. And then that's what I was saying earlier. They're like, it was only toxic because you labeled it toxic. And it's like, that, yeah. Like, because she, she put a name to what was going on. I didn't appreciate this at all. I'm still really kind of grossed out by it all. I don't, I, I, I think that there was just like, I think that there's just certain maturity levels. Um, and I didn't, and, and I really, and I, I don't know, I had like a cringy moment, I guess, when Serena C was like, I like, Matt, I hope you don't think we're all bad people now because what you saw, like, like, it's just still being more consumed with his perception of them instead of like your perception of yourself. <laughs> it just like was weird to me. Um, Yeah, and I don't want to totally jump the gun because I know that we have like a lot of things to talk about, but I thought how the women were confronting Matt was like pretty fascinating because none of them really confronted them dead on. 
and we saw Abigail confront and we'll talk about Abigail in a second, but we saw, um, well, I think, we, I think we can just talk about it. I mean, I have to say, it doesn't feel like there's a ton more that like happened. No, no, no. no. What I'm just saying is like all of the women were saying like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And they were like pouring their hearts out to him. And yeah. the that Matt was offering back to them was, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Like, I felt like Matt gave them very, very little when they were acknowledging not only their own faults, but um, like their relationship. It felt like he, they were sort of bleeding out a little bit for Matt and he was giving them very little back. <laughs> well, and I, I, you know, I can't speak for Matt, but knowing what we know now, and um, this is a bit of a spoiler, the same one that we talked about last week so if you'd like to either end the podcast here um, or fast forward about a minute please do so now but knowing that he picks Rachel and then now has had to like deal with everything that has come out about her mm -hmm. I think Matt could have potentially come to this place from a uh, come come to women tell all from a place of exhaustion and probably having a just I, I, I imagine dealing, knowing now what he was dealing with and then having to go do Women Tell All, I actually do feel for him that challenging. Okay. No, I hear that. Um, and to that point, can we talk a little bit about Abigail? <laughs> I really like Abigail a lot. And yeah, wait, Alex, tell me what you told me before we started recording, what your kind of theory is. <laughs> Well, I just feel like in general, like Abigail is the voice of not only the women on the show, but all of us who are watching. I feel like Abigail is, um, he consistently validated Abigail in a way that I think it made her so confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No to her. Um, like it was, uh, like it, it it exposed a problem within Matt that he showed to Abigail, which was like sort of infuriating for us to watch because, you know, time and time again, we've only seen him be like her sort of, again, bleed out, you know, expose her, her tough history with her birth father, talking about her cochlear implants and for him to just be like, can I tell you something? That's what makes you special. And that's why I'm in love with you he wouldn't say that to the point where if like yeah. i exposed that sort of part of myself and that guy came back at me and was just like that's why i like you so much i would think that you were into me and i liked that when she was having her one-on-one -on -one sit down with chris harrison she was like this was hard on me um in general, like when I talk about Abigail, like I'm obsessed with her because um, she really like is such a representative of inclusivity. And she also talks about like the spectrum of disability. Like it is not a black and white thing. Like she is somebody who is deaf, who does not use sign language because she has adapted this ability to read lips. Like it is we have such a um, defined perception in our brains about what disability looks like across the gambit. Yeah. Blind, deaf, like in a wheelchair, like, um, like it is, it does not, it is not as black and white as we see it. And for that reason, I am just like, I think Abigail would be a perfect 
Bachelorette because I think she is so incredible at expressing her feelings and she also represents a different point of view but also a regular like like this is if you are out in the world and you are dating like there is a chance that you a are like a, a part of disability or might run into disability and to and to see her represented this like beautiful girl who's incredible at communicating and expressing her feelings in that position i am i am I have never wanted to ride so hard for a bachelorette. I'm like, I think we need so bad. And like, she, I was a little bummed that she didn't call out Matt directly as much as she did in her one-on-one with Chris, but I am obsessed with her. (laughs) Well, and I think ultimately it was just like her space to kind of work out what she was feeling and state that and, and, get the closure that she needed I think her moment with Matt was like the only kind of closure anyone probably felt from this season um yeah I really really like her I think that she's she's awesome um obviously I love Serena P I don't think that she's quite uh ready for bachelorette and just in terms of where she's at emotionally in her love journey um but I do think that she's She's great. Um, I think she could do it. Yeah, too. I, I think Serena P. Serena P. Seems the most. She could. She seems like the most um, emotionally intelligent to me, Serena P. Yeah, I agree. I sorry, she could absolutely be a wonderful bachelorette. One hundred percent. With. Uh, what is always hard for me as a viewer, uh, this happens typically with bachelors, but I think it would be the same thing if Serena P was the bachelor made the bachelorette. It's hard to see somebody have like this like emotional side of them be like opened up and they're like talking about their journey and like knowing that Matt wasn't the one and kind of like understanding like do like what do I want? What is it that I want? It's like, I don't necessarily want her to go on and go get engaged in three months to somebody else next. Like, does that make sense? It totally does. Like, part of me is more excited for Serena P's life outside of The Bachelor. Yes. Like, I want her to, like, date and find, like, the hottest guy ever. And, like... But I also want her to, like, travel the world in, like, a conquer industry. Like, there's so much about Serena P. Yeah. I want to see the other stuff first. And I want to see you, like... I don't want to say like like a playgirl. Like I want to, <laughs> I want to see you like play the field a little bit. Like yeah, yeah. Like I I agree. Like I want Serena C to like have life outside of this franchise. Sorry, excuse me, Serena P. Like outside of this franchise. So while I think she would be an excellent bachelorette, I'm kind of like ready for her own personal journey. <laughs> I mean, if she was, you know, if you know when they're filming this and it's a post-COVID world, she might be able to get all of that by being the bachelorette. Like she might be able to. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. The world uh, it would be it would be fun to have another lead that picks no one. That hasn't happened in a really long time. <laughs> Serena C just has a lot of like in a way, like I sort of like envy her youth. Like I'm just like, oh God, you could date like you could you could date Emmanuel Acho. <laughs> I know. Well, I know. That's that is 
if he becomes the if he becomes if he becomes the host of the bachelor that's where i feel like we're in trouble because like everyone's just gonna want to date him right about mike because i'm like yeah like like mike Mike would be in mike johnson would be an amazing bachelor host but like he's also so hot and he's also single so like why it's really tough like yeah it's yeah um I was talking to a friend of the pod, Connie, today, and we were kind of talking about this because I was like, I'm pro no host. Let's just like not even have a host. We don't need someone. Let's like watch one-on-one therapy sessions if, you know, they, they, um, consent to having that filmed or something (laughs) like that. Like I would rather see that I think than like have some like weird, like father figure host kind of like help them through their like love journey. But then she was like, oh, she said she thought that we talked about this on the podcast. I think maybe Alex, this was your idea, but having like a girl host for the Bachelorette and a man, a male host for the Bachelor. Oh so you God. have That's like an idea. I don't remember saying that. At all. I know she said that too. I was like, it definitely wasn't my idea. Whatever, whose idea it was, it's brilliant and I think I think it was just Connie's idea and maybe <laughs> yeah she was just trying to get me to say it on the podcast out loud pretending but I like, like it was mine or something I like that a lot actually I think like yeah girl to like have that like safe space to talk about having a dude and having that safe space to talk about um it's like what we were saying with Brittany when or sorry I'm so sorry Brie when her best friend showed up like and so it's like yes it's one thing to have this guy meet your parents but it's another thing to be able to talk about what you're going through with your best friend during all of this again so kind of creates the same problem though because if Mike is the host of a bachelor then girls are gonna want to date Mike <laughs> I don't know. I don't know then. I don't know what the answer is, okay? The answer is everybody wants to date Mike. Mike should just be the next bachelor. Well, so either make him the bachelor or make sure he is not single and can host. Okay, Mike, you can host, but you have to be married. So You have to be married. <laughs> and it has to be legit. Like, you have to be very happy in your marriage. <laughs> like you can't uh, like link. you have to be like confident happy like everything's good <laughs> because that so, is no part of it no like, pressure that, but you have two months <laughs> that is part of the like you sort of like and I remember it's like when Wells when they tried to make Wells the the bartender it was just like a bunch of girls were like oh that's a bummer because I like would have wanted to date wells like <laughs> yeah that is exactly what happened in paradise they're like they, so they all just like hung out at the bar the whole time um <laughs> and then they were just like i don't know why i'm going home and it's like because you're spending a lot of time talking wells um yeah so yeah i mean listen this was a this was a big week i i mean every day it feels like there's something new um thank you to all of you guys for sticking with us throughout all of it. And as we like talk about it and process it and um, And we also thankful for some of the FOMO fun moments we've been getting, sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. I was just gonna say, and also we continue to continue the conversation with us. Like if there is something that you think that we might've said that was out of turn or that you want us to address, like 
that is a Sarah and I have a lot of again learning and unlearning to do. So your perspective and your comments really matter to us. Not that you have the responsibility to reach out to us, but should you feel so inclined, we want to keep that space open. Yes, thank you, Alex. So yeah, thanks to everyone. And we've got overnights and then we've got after the final rose. And I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm also so tired. So we'll see that. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready for a bit of a break. I'm happy to not <laughs> be going directly into another season for a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. Wait, Sarah, can I tell you what I really want right now? Like so bad. Sure. Selling Sunset sure. season four. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Alex, you can't even get me started on it because I could talk about selling sunset all the I mean selling sunset was oh my god it it, it was my favorite it, it's just it's one of my favorite reality shows of all time I guess is how I'll say it I just I just love it and I love and I love the women and I'm just it's all it's just it's just such a show it's just so different it's so unique <laughs> like I just can't I Alex, I rewatch Selling Sunset all the time. Like when I've had a bad day, it's like, Adam, do you mind if I have the living room just to watch Selling Sunset? <laughs> like that's what I need. Like I need to like lay out on the couch and just put on episodes of Selling Sunset. I also, I feel a big responsibility towards the show because like I do, like, I'm sorry. I do think I was the first one to find it. <laughs> I found it way I started watching this way before a quarantine hit <laughs> and you guys all made fun of me all of you every single one of you this is your favorite realtor I don't think I've ever asked you um like realtor in terms of how they do at their job or like who's my favorite on the show I want both I want an answer to both um okay I do think um Mary what Mary is the best real what I was gonna say I do think that Mary is probably the best at her job but I do also understand that she gets um favoritism from Jason so but but I do think that she's I do think that she's the best at her job um my favorite person on the show it's really really hard I love them I love them all except Davina <laughs> I threw um, my hat in the ring for who I think is like one of the more more compelling characters on that show. I guess. Yeah. Christine. Heather. Oh, okay. I agree. And I actually think that Heather's care like Heather's role among the women is very, very interesting because we've seen her kind of go back and forth between that's why the two I, like I think she's uh, figuring out herself throughout the process, which makes her so compelling. And I also think she's a really good daughter. She is good at her job. We, it's Heather's so interesting because you see, yes, it's like by season three, it's almost like Heather learned to, to draw her own boundaries while still just kind of keeping the peace in the office. I mean, she'll stand up for herself. Obviously, we saw her do that with Christine and Davina, um, and she should stand up for herself. But 
she's done a very good job of understanding her personal boundaries and then but also just being a pleasant person to work with and i loved her journey with amanda and it was very great to like see somebody like it, I loved seeing their relationship evolve in a lot of different ways. Cause she was like mad at Amanda for like showing up late to that, to that um, listing. Um, but then they work together and she's like, oh my God, sometimes it just takes like working with somebody to understand them better and to like realize that they have a lot to offer. But then there was the whole thing with talking about Cherik's kids. So they like, they have like a very interesting relationship, but yeah, what I, what I pray, what I pray, pray for is that Tarek El Musa will be on the next season. I want to see them together. I want to over. Give me the... I pray. I pray. I want, like... Tarek on like, again? Musa? What is he on again? He's on... Oh, my God. He's on... Alex, he's on Flip or Flop, and he had a Flip or flop. very public divorce with Christina, and it was... I mean, that's a, that's a whole other person whose journey we've seen. Cause that was, I mean, I could talk about that too. I mean, that was very public, very kind of disturbing news that came out around it. We can talk about that another time, but yeah, what my, what my dream would be, would to be to have, um, like Heather and Tarek, like partner up, like he designs like a new home uh, or something. <laughs> and, then have and then she sells it. She, fl he, fl he, fl honestly he flops it. <laughs> No, that's not what that means. <laughs> they probably are trying to have their own spinoff, but I don't need that. I would just rather have him on Selling Sunset. So anyway. Okay. Well, Selling Sunset is where it's at. Sarah, thank you so much. I love you so much. Um, thank you to all you of too. you guys uh, for listening. Um, if you guys have the time and space, um, a difficult conversation with a black man is available um, at your local bookstores if you can afford it. Uncomfortable conversation. What did I say? Difficult? I meant to say uncomfortable. I think it's a difficult, uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. It's also available on Audible. Should you have any credits left? And also he has a free show on YouTube, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Check it out. He's unbelievable. We are so lucky to have him as our uh, as our host on After the Final Rose. And in general, Sarah, I'm just happy that I get the space to talk to you every week. So I love you. And yeah. Love you too. It's been, yeah, it's been helpful. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Hang it in. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe. And of course, the journey doesn't end here. Follow us on social media at Sarah Elizabeth Franklin and at Alex Ryan Frank. See you later. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. 
Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with grills for hands, or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, it happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're, you're here to, to believe, believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.